Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. we go again you found it you're here welcome to the rgm experience podcast with me carl maloney the host how are you doing you're eight nice one nice one well you found us here and you're very welcome as well to another edition of the rgm experience podcast where we delve into the music industry uh, we chat to people within it and uh, there's always a story to be told and we all, we, well, we like to share that we live in the real world and we like to have uh, normal conversations with people around the real world that's around us within this music industry. And everybody's got a story to tell and everybody's got a unique story to say. Today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, one of them was so close to becoming the Harry Potter. He was in the final with uh, Radcliffe. But now he's in a band and that, so that's coming up. Just tease you there. Uh, and and the other one, and the other one actually as well. This is no bullshit. The other one lives next door to Madonna. Well, that's got you intrigued, hasn't it? Well then. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a band on his hands today for you. We're interviewing the Horn. Nick True and Johnny Taylor are joining us. Uh, very shortly for a chat about their journey within in, within the industry. They've just come off tour with Scouting for Girls. Got a bit of a story about Scouting for Girls. I've, I've never worn to Scouting for Girls, me personally. And there's a reason for it. My mate, Jubby, from Sheffield, uh, once told me that uh, his band, Harrison's, back in Sheffield, back in day, you know, did really well in that. They got dropped off their label, off their record label. Uh, because the label wanted to sign Scouting for Girls. So I've always been a bit down on them. Just my own prejudice, I suppose. You know. But nothing against the, the people personally. It's just my mate's band got dropped because of them, that's all. Oh, this industry, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, we are in the business end now, heading towards Christmas and that. And it's very slow now. There's not much as much going on to be able to cover. Uh, the submissions have slowed down a, a lot, uh, which is normal this time of year. So at this time of year, as a magazine, what we try and do is put, collate some content for you and create stuff. Basically, look back over 2023 and see what's been going on. And of course, there's been loads. And I'm, I'm writing. <laughs> I'm even doing some this year. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I've got. Uh, I'm. I'm going to pick the best bands that I've seen from Manchester this year. I'm going to pick the best bands from Sheffield because they're, they're like where I live in that. Uh, we've got some. The the live team are providing some stuff. I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but there's going to be some more features coming up around that. I'm doing a big post around all the people that I've seen graft through 2023 that just deserve a shout out. So I'm collating that. I think that's a quite a nice thing to do, isn't it? And I'm doing a top tips for 24 things for bands, which I found really interesting and I found fun, actually. One of them is fuck the algorithm. Fuck the algorithm. It'll all be explained more when you when you catch up with RGM on the, uh, on the magazine coming up in the next week or two. I've not finished it yet, so I need to um, probably uh, 
think about my language with it all sometimes. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a, another podcast. It's, it's always a joy when you join us. Um, as always on this podcast, you can you can watch our little faces talk online. On YouTube. <laughs> online. Mm. And yeah, share your stories about who the bands you're going to see tonight. I'm going to watch The Wonder Stuff in Manchester tonight. Right, looking forward to it. Uh, they're doing uh, the album construction for the modern idiot. I've got a t-shirt that says idiot on it. Proper fanboy. I'm starting the beers in a bit, I think, and crack on. Enjoy myself. And tomorrow, as a, well, it'll have already happened by this podcast, but tomorrow we've got the RGM drink, so we're all getting together down at Lions Den in Manchester to have a bit of a boozy do tomorrow afternoon too. So I've got a busy weekend ahead on the ale, you know. Um, but it's an enjoyable time of year. Won't have it any other way. And I'm going to be here every Monday. Christmas, I think Christmas Eve and I think New Year's Eve it falls on Monday. There might be slight delays over Christmas, you know, forgive me. Um, you know, I've got a lot on. Um, but yeah, I'm going to make sure that something comes out. We're going to do some look backs over the year as well and favourite guests and, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's going to be, there's going to be loads going on. Uh, we've got loads of guests booked for the New Year, obviously. Obvs. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks again for your continued support. And if you're a new listener, welcome. Nice one. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's crack on with a guest. As I say, one was very close to being Harry Potter. One lives next door to Madonna. I'm not bullshitting you. It's right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Nick True, Johnny Taylor, from the Horn. Take it away, lads. Yeah, good. Thanks, Carl. Where are you um, calling from today? I'm in Manchester today. Um, I live in sunny Manchester, so that's where I'm based. And my first question to you all is, uh, you know, where where are you? Where where do you find yourself today? Yeah, so I'm actually near where Nick grew up, which is St John's Wood, and I'm in, oh. uh, which is sort of north central London, and I'm uh, at Rap Studios, um, recording for a different project, but. And um, we did we did make some music with the horn last year. Uh, sorry, actually, no, this year yeah. uh, at the studio. So it's really nice to. I'm just in one of the engineers' uh, kind of overnight bedrooms where they oh, sometimes, right. if you have a late late night session, you, you stay over. Oh, um, nice. So yeah, I'm in St John's Wood near Macca, near Paul McCartney's sort of gaff. Yeah, well, I, I can remember but, getting a, nice. a tube to St John's Ward just to have a nosy and have a look at Abbey Road Studios. How, how far away yeah. is it? How far is away to the, the to the to the crossing? Oh yeah, like five minutes away. Oh right, okay. Oh yep. right, okay. Well, that's exciting having someone actually in Rack Studios. That's nice. It's just, it's one of those legendary places that you just you hear about, don't you? It's nice to speak to someone who actually in it. That's a nice change. Oh uh, well, I, it's it's my pleasure to be able to. My session starts at 11. Yeah, so sure. it's kind of per- perfect. So thank you so much for having me on so early in the morning. I actually left the missus in bed in Hackney. Uh, <laughs> right. She normally would be up earlier than yeah. me, but I got up early sort of just to make sure that I made the interview on time and made yeah. the uh, recording session on time. Well, I know it must um, be an unearthly time for a musician. You know, if uh, anybody listening to this or watching it, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, for God's sake. So, yeah, I know musicians don't like too early, do you? You know, No, exactly. My face doesn't look how it's supposed to in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I always think, like, um, you know, there's some people who I walk past on the, yeah. on the streets of London and some of them just look like they've 
they've been awake for hours and they look radiant and gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And I just look like I've been, yeah, thrown out the back of the bus. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So let, let's get to know you guys a bit. So you've just come off a big, massive tour with Scouting for Girls. You've had your debut album. All these exciting things have been happening recently. But let, before we get on to that side of things, let's rewind a little bit. So talk me through, um, where did your life as a creative start, Johnny? We'll start with you first. Goodness me. Um, what a generous question. How long have you got? No, I'll try and keep it concise. Uh, I started off as acting. There was a, there's a theatre in, in Cornwall. There's this amazing woman who's unfortunately no longer alive anymore, but she's mm. called Rowena Cade. And she um, she had a cliff uh, that she owned in, in, uh, in, in Cornwall. Mm. And with her gardener, she took a load of dynamite and blew up uh, the cliff near Penzance you might have been down there oh. and she she loved uh so she loved theater so much that she made an amphitheater out of the cliff wow. and most people in Cornwall they just go fishing or you know <laughs> if they've got land but she was like I'm going to build a theater and put on some Shakespeare um so yeah so I was very lucky that my my family it was a bit of a traveling circus my family were were in the theater at the time and they were teaching they were english te- my parents were both english teachers and they both um, loved theater so they put, and so like while everyone was kind of hating uh hating shakespeare in uh, in english class mm. i was ins- insufferably a know at all but basically <laughs> i then kind of grew up and realized i kind of loved david bowie and bob dylan and right, i kind yeah. of changed my career path after about I mean, when i was 22 23 i was mm. still acting yeah. And I, I got a drama school and blah, 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 and had failures and successes and all kinds of things. And then, yeah, I just uh, decided to become a musician when I was about 20. I broke my leg on a motorbike in uh, near Thailand in Laos and was in hospital for a long time because I couldn't walk for a while. And it was terrible. But just I, were, you just I remember, be, were you just being a daffle lad out there then? I've been absolute, uh, yeah, C, <laughs> okay. triple asterisk out there. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, it was just a daft lad. It's, it's a, a lovely way, much nicer way of putting it. But, yeah, the, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I just, I had an MP3 player and I was just mm. like, oh, music's pretty cool. Yeah. And I listened to Station to Station by David Bowie and I listened to, in particular, Golden Years. Mm. I remember thinking, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Um, like, just, when he starts going like wap, 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 and I was like, Oh, you yeah. can do that. You can go into yeah. a studio and make weird noises into a microphone and then people will come and watch. <laughs> and I think that it's also, my brother is an amazing musician as well. He inspired me a lot. And I think there've been various people along the way who have shown me, you know, how you can really connect with people just by being in a park with an acoustic guitar, being a bit of a layabout, being yeah. getting stoned with someone until the early hours of the morning and writing songs. Mm. Um, and that really <laughs> appealed to me, that lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. And now it's, a, now it's a bit more professional than that, but yeah. um, it, it's, it, there are times when it feels like reverting back to that lifestyle yeah. is, is there's a sort of soul feeling, you know, there's a sort of feeling where I feel comfortable like that with a very shitty, excuse my French, mm. with a very rough uh, looking guitar in my hand. Yeah. And I think like like a, like a Spanish guitar, you know, just with nylon strings and just just kind of mm. trying to figure out something on that and sitting around. And, and I think that's, um, 
that's sort of where my soul belongs, I think, as, as well as like various, various kind of pubs in Soho. I think mm. that's also where my soul belongs. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, I think, I think, um, I think that my family have offered, like my, you know, my mum was like, don't, you know, you do whatever you want. My dad was like, you should carry on acting. So there's always been a bit of a divide in myself mm. about whether I should act or sing. Well, you, but yeah, that's, so that's a really long answer. No, no, yeah, no, just going back to, you, you know, you said while you were an actor, you had uh, plenty of successes and failures. Talk us through those successes and failures. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> um, these, yeah. So, well, as I was 13, I, I auditioned for Harry Potter oh, and I got very close. Mm. I got very close to being the part of Harry Potter. I was actually in the oh. news about it this, this year, which right. is weird. Okay. Um, I got very close. And so that was upsetting. But then I thought, you know, I'd be worth a lot of money and I, I might not, you know, I don't know. Is mm. Daniel, I hope Daniel Radcliffe is happy. Mm. He might, he might be, uh, he may, may still be happy. I don't know, but he grew up on, on a film set. Mm. So I don't know how that feels. So for a while I was a little bit bitter as a teenager, that I didn't get that part. Mm. But, uh, hey, no, but, uh, I think like with, yeah. And then later on, I got an agent, when I was 19 yeah. and just didn't make the most of that and didn't make the most of that. Met some amazing friends in university, but I didn't make the most of, uh, of, of what I'd ha- of what I'd got. Mm. And then by the time I reached 23, 24, as I said, I kind of yeah. felt like I'd kind of failed as an actor and, uh, mm. discovered David Bowie. So that, that I think my music career kind of coincided with being like, uh, you know, maybe the acting's fizzling out a little bit, but then the success is I went, I went to Austria once and did a, a film. My 23rd birthday, I was riding a horse through the snow and holding a sword. Okay. So that felt like okay. a success. Nice. So yeah, <laughs> actually I, I remember I was contracted. Uh, so I think, I, I think my, my contract was like 20,000 euros or something. Yeah. And I didn't, none of us in the whole project was a flop and we didn't get paid, but uh, I had the best time. <laughs> so yeah. it was still kind of a success in my head because I, I was just like riding a horse. So yeah, I think that I, I retrospectively like, okay, that's a, I chalk that up as a success mm. and not as a, and not as a failure. Although financially it was definitely a failure. <laughs> yeah. No, well, but, it, you know, well, so, yeah. so you pick one of the hardest industries in the world and then changed yeah. it to trying to make a career in, in the other hardest career in the world then. <laughs> <laughs> the music yes, industry. I mean, and well, to segue to segue into our, our latest guest, who looks very nice this morning. Um, I I think that uh, you know Nick is someone, and I've said this before in previous yeah. interviews. Nick is someone who he could have you know gone and bought another car or something, but he's decided to invest into you know into the music industry, and I'm really mm. grateful for that. He's he's really um, an incredibly wonderful guy and just able to um write songs on a dime you know he can write songs just out of nowhere and i think i am very glad that i met nick because he's been a big part of my journey in the last three years Mm. so i'll hand you over to Nick. yeah so nick joins us now Mm -hmm. Uh, nick would you mind just putting your camera to the side for me please pal voice yeah let me try that it's okay mate thank you Right, so we, we, we've just been having a right good chat with Johnny about how it all began and started and that kind of stuff. So he, he, he's in Rack Studios. What impressive building are you in, mate? I'm in my apartment, which is not too far from Rack Studios. Wow. It's where I'm, I'm in Marble Arch in an apartment, oh, in my okay. home. 
Right. Yeah, but yeah. he does. But he is. It is impressive because who's your neighbour, Nick? So my next door neighbour is Madonna, actually. Oh, okay. Is she in? Um, uh, I think she is actually. Yeah, because of she, oh, okay. she's she, she's doing shows at the O2. So, oh, okay. Is she joining us in a bit then? Is she joining? Uh, us in yeah, a bit? I'll, I'll go and get her. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, brilliant. That's impressive. So, uh, so how is life in London then? How you know uh, in the biggest city in the world, in the best, most cultural city in the world? How, what's life in London as a as a jobbing musician at the minute? How how have you seen uh, the industry develop uh, down south? As they say. Well, me personally, I, I think yeah. uh, you know London is is just teeming with stuff to do. So mm. the problem is, what do you not do? You know, it's, it's yeah. every, every single day, every night, it's, it's some, there's so many things on. Mm. But, you know, uh, it's it's just incredible. I mean, I, I've always thought of London as really as being a country more than a, a city because mm. you know it, it's just such a melting pot. And you know, but actually, where I live is. You know, it is so multicultural. It literally is insane, but, you know, in a really good way. So um, music, I mean, the thing about music in London is in some ways it's actually changed quite a lot mm. since I was younger because I used to be in a band in the 80s. Yeah. And in those days you had so many incredible legendary music places, um, one of which well, my favourite place that I ever played was the Marquee. Um, which was in Wardle Street in Soho. And mm. there's sort of nothing like that really anymore on the West End, is oh. there, Johnny? So it's changed. Yeah. You know, yeah. funny enough, actually, a few days ago, um, we did a, an amazing uh, thing that is almost ridiculous, uh, but we actually did it. So it's now memory. And when we were talking about it, you know, there was a lot of the guys in the band and the, and, and the people working with us said, oh, it's just too much hassle. Um, but when you know, we did it, which is we did two gigs in one night. Yeah. Um, uh, we we were lucky enough to get the opportunity f- to support um, Star Sailor mm. um, at the at the Electric Ballroom, which nice. um, is such a legendary place, and where I saw the Clash play, um, which is something to say. Um, uh, and then after we did that, we did a little small acoustic set, and Johnny was brilliant, if I can say. Uh, and then we all walked with our with our few instruments, um, a mm. five minute walk down to the Roundhouse, which is literally mm. uh, a five minute w- walk away. Another legendary, incredible venue where we were lucky enough to support Scouting for Girls, and it was absolutely full when we came on. So mm. you know, between two to three thousand people. So it was a incredible night. So you know that, uh, that, and then after that, we 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 went to Coco. I don't know if you know Coco, which yeah. is a fantastic, fantastic venue to have, to celebrate, have something to eat and drink, and you know. So that was really cool. That's a re- that was a really cool we, rock and roll night. You mentioned Star Sailor there. We, we, we've had James on the podcast before. Have you ever met anybody as relaxed and chilled out as that guy before? He was kind of he was upright, but he could have just been laid down and just chilled. He was just so relaxed, such a nice, calming vibe about that guy. Yeah, it's, it. it's so nice to meet him. When we were, we met him last year, didn't we, Nick? Yeah. And he was like, he, he was very shy with us in the dressing room. Mm. And, and then I remember, I think I popped into the dressing room in, in, um, I think it was like Nottingham or somewhere. And he, and he just went, Oh, do you want a beer? Mm. (laughs) And just like gave gave us like a whole load of beers left over that they, they weren't drinking. And then I remember when me and Nick and Danny watched, him play i think we 
because we played, we supported them at the O2 Ritz mm. near where you are potentially. Um, yeah, in Manchester. Yeah. And and that was made. That was one of my favourite venues ever. I'm going. There, I'm was, going uh, there tonight to watch the Wonder Stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Wonder Stuff, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. How, you'll have a, oh, sure <laughs> yeah, have a great favourite band. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, I don't know if you've noticed, but the floor is springy. Yes. Oh yeah. In the O2, yeah. 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 Sure, it might be something you picked up as, as someone who go, goes to gigs in, yeah. in Manchester. But yeah, um, James, I, then I remember that me and Nick and Danny were kind of struck by how kind of immediately loud his voice is at the microphone. Like yeah. he's got an incredible projection ability. Mm. So like it sort of goes completely at odds with, with how he is. him as a person, yeah. hanging, hanging yeah. out with him. Yeah. S- s- such a such a switch. Yeah. Um I found that interesting, you know, the sort yeah. of contrast of him in conversation and then him on stage. He's a real sort of like, what's the right word? It, it's like but just the, the ability to project his voice mm. so sort of immediately and loudly. Um, it's very, it's, it's quite quite a technique. It, it, it is such just an amazing, unique thing that comes out of his mouth, isn't it? <laughs> for for such a gentle, mm. quiet, chilled out guy, it's uh, it's amazing how talent can just find one part of your body and just make a difference to your life <laughs> yeah that's a, that's, a, that's a very i think it's from manchester isn't it uh i can't remember exactly uh no, mm. no i'm not quite sure i'm not quite sure well a fun fact yeah. while we're on that topic sorry before yeah. you and nick talk more i'm sorry to interrupt but okay. um what's interesting is that um thanks very much to nick i managed uh to meet a guy called danton supple who produced and and nick mm. nick and and the label managed to organize this producer this wonderful producer who produced the horns music mm. and he's actually about four meters away from me <laughs> okay. now working working on something else i'm just mm. doing some guest singing for another project which yeah. isn't it, it's it's fun but it's not quite the horn yeah. um mm-hmm. but danton produced silence is easy by star Sailor. Oh, nice! so oh. there you go there's the link oh nice one nice one well uh just on uh yourself there a little bit nick what what was this previous band that you mentioned earlier then yeah so it was early 80s uh, yeah um we were called friends of gavin oh. um we do have something out on spotify but we didn't put anything out in no. the, at the time yeah. we were too crazy <laughs> okay. um i mean literally literally that's you know a bad not a great story actually in a, in a way because we put a lot <laughs> we put a lot into it and and uh, sadly pissed it all away on having fun but well, at least we got it's some, a some great, great story mem- for a podcast great memories. it's a great story for a podcast mate <laughs> give us the gist of it all well i just think we just you know in fact i was listening to johnny's story which was it was nice to hear it from johnny um yeah. in, a, in a way my, my my story is bizarrely similar in some ways because um uh, what changed my life was um, buying the album Aladdin Sane um, when I was when I was very young by David Bowie, funnily enough, and that literally changed everything for me. Um, and then Punk came along, and I was a massive Susie and the Banshees fan and The Clash and all the rest of it. And um, so, you know, it, it, the, the whole point of, of, the, of Punk was, you know, anyone can do it kind of thing. Yeah. So we thought, well, we can do it. And so we did. Um, we <laughs> formed a band. We not, n- none of us could play, and then sort of a year later, we all could somehow. Don't know how that happened, yeah. but we could. And it just so happened that we could write songs, and and we got a fantastic manager who really believed in us and touting us around to for big label stuff, and got us on all sorts of tours. Um, we were lucky enough to 
play around 200 gigs in a few years. So we got, you know, we got really quite good on the road. Mm. Um, we played a bunch of dates on REM's world tour, which was mad. Um, uh, you know, we, but we, we were just having too much fun. Um, a bit like Johnny getting too stoned, um, drinking too much. Um, and we just didn't take it seriously, which is a shame, you know, in hindsight, it was stupid, but you know, when you're that stupid and young and foolish, you think that, you know, the world, you know, it's never going to end the, it, yeah. life. And, um, anyway, so it, it was, it was great and great memories. And yeah. we played so many gigs with so many huge bands, Boomtown Rats. Um, there was a very big band at the time called The Alarm. Wow. I don't know if you ever heard of The Alarm, but they, they were huge at the time and we did a tour with them and they absolutely loved us. We loved them. And our singer uh, got married um, and it all sort of fell apart. So I yeah. went out and started a business um, in the marketing world and um, that's been a hell of a ride. And um, yeah, a few years ago, I just wanted to write some songs and didn't certainly didn't intend to create what's been created. That wasn't the idea. Um, I met, Danny, who's the guitar player in the horn, who's an amazing guy, and mm. um, he's a he's an engineer in a, in a studio and a producer and multi multi talented multi musician mm. can play just about everything. And um, as uh, Johnny said, he used to be in a band with Danny, so that was the link. He introduced me to Johnny, and we got really well. And um, Johnny and I have got some kind of weird sixth sense writing. Mm style we, we just sit down and somehow we write songs that um you know obviously i'm biased i think they're great but mm. you know it's up to other people they think but you know please listen and tell us what you think yeah. um because our, our album is out with 10 tracks uh, mm. you know and uh we, we're, we're almost close to our millionth stream which wow. we're very close to which we're excited about so uh yeah what, so what's it's, that, what, it's is that, what's, that a five, a what's that a five of these days is it <laughs> I'm just being, uh, well, I'm being facetious. He, he, yeah, he, he, five, 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 <laughs> five, point, point five of a pence, I think. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is on, on Spotify, if you're lucky. But yeah, so what started as something has turned into something quite exciting. And nice. The Horn is now, uh, you know, great band, good live band. Mm. Um, we put out our album, which we're super proud of, called People Like Us, which you yeah. can listen on all streaming platforms. Um and you know, next year we've got lots of big plans. We yeah. want to maybe play in Europe. Mm. That's maybe one of the plans next year. We'll see. Um, just before we move on we... to the promotion stuff and where we are today, uh, I've just mm. got to ask you, you mentioned REM. I've just got to ask. I can't, I can't let that pass. What was it like being on tour with REM and the lads? With 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 who? With REM. German. Oh, R.E.M., okay. Yeah. Did, um, I, I, did I, I think I just said R.G.M., because I'm just used to saying R.G.M., that's the name of the magazine. Yeah, oh, R.E.M., sorry, I mean, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, R.E.M., that's your next band. That's Carl's next band. Yeah, yeah. So the truth is, it was it was fantastic, because we were like rabbits in the headlight, you know, coming on stage in front of 20,000 people, you know. We sort of felt frauds, but we enjoyed it, and they were they were really nice, actually. Um, they took themselves very seriously and we were the opposite. So we thought they were a bit like sort of mm. old folk, old fogies kind of thing at the time. Um, yeah. but you know, Michael Stipe was, you know, he was nice enough, a bit, a little bit strange, but yeah, he was nice enough. And, um, 
Peter Buck, he was the, their guitar player in R.E.M. He, he was nice, nice guy. And they, they, were, they were very, they were sweet. They were nice. They took themselves very seriously yeah. when, we, we, when we didn't. So there was a bit of a clash there. In, in what um, ways, in what ways strange, man? Because for, for me, I, I look for the strange people. I like the strange people in life, I think. I, I look out, yeah. I look for those people and try and find well, you them. Liked, well, you would have liked them then. <laughs> in, in, in what way though? Like like proper mad strange or just like, I don't know. No, just really moody. Oh, okay. um, It didn't seem very happy with anything. or oh, oh. That's, that, that was how it came across to us. We were like so excited, like little puppies, you know. Yeah. Jump, jumping about the place and yeah. that was just a very very moody fellow walking around oh, right. <laughs> oh, right. fair enough fair enough so uh, so what did you learn from like for you both and a question for you both really what what did you learn in your previous lives that you've brought into the horn and and learned from and um uh, achieved by doing uh, for want of a better phrase question for uh, you well I'll, I'll go first and i'll over to johnny so I think I've taken everything I've ever learned into this and certainly in the songs and the lyrics and what, what we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say uh, is it's a, it's a life, life, a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gone into it. And um, I think it's made me sort of take the opportunity maybe a little bit more seriously <laughs> than I did right. last time. Okay. Um, and, and I think it's just great to try and work with people who are really super talented and, see what happens when that when you sort of put the blend together and um you know that the blend between the the five of us is remarkable it's it's a really lovely thing and ju- just on a marketing thing because you mentioned you started a business in marketing has that has that helped you um uh, in any way yeah, with the band? yeah. definitely de- definitely um it's because <clears throat> you know it's it's uh, it's helped me make this baseball hat oh there you go sure there you go um, but yeah, no, of course it has because um, I see it as a, you know, as as, as a as a production, mm. you know, right. it, and and I think I think that's really helped this this time. Whereas, as I said last time, I was too young and too silly. Um, I think I've taken all those skills into into the band, and I think you can see it in the in in the in the product. Um, we we got a new our latest single out. It's called addicted to love and we mm. we did a we did a video in a friend of mine's house and um which was really lovely mm. um you can see that on youtube so yeah i'd love your thoughts on that actually because yeah, no. um that's got a lot of you know my marketing you know experience in mm. in that and um it's, it's actually johnny me and um and danny in that video the, the other two guys sadly mm. couldn't make it right. uh, one was ill um <laughs> one was one just couldn't get there which was a shame. So it's yeah. it's a, it's an unusual one because it's just got the three of us in it. Oh, nice. Well, uh, what is because um, marketing is such a big broad word. What what is marketing to you? I've I've had people in on the podcast before that that's into marketing, and some just simp- simplify it as making shit look good. Uh, there's so many different facets to it, and when you, I run a magazine, I speak to marketing companies all the time, and there's there's people that flog you. Uh, uh, Many different things, really, when it comes to marketing. But what does marketing mean to you as a individual? Well, I, 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 my uh, my sort of marketing space I'm in is mm. is a is a particular niche, so okay. I won't really talk about that. Yeah, but, okay. Uh, my, my, but my dad was an advertising man, uh, right. so um, I was sort of brought up. You know, so Johnny was brought up with his dad, who was in the theatre. I, I was brought up with you know my dad was a, a theatre oh, okay. of his own. You know, yeah. 
as a marketing guy. As he was an you know pure advertising guy in the 1960s and lived that crazy ad, ad man life, which mm. which you know I found super exciting as a child. So yeah, he he would always say um, to me that um, about advertising that the hardest thing he said was to get somebody into a habit. And the hardest thing is to get someone out of the habit. That was that was what he always oh, used to say. So. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, but I'm just after tips to try and get this podcast out to more people. How do you get, you know, in a in a saturated market? What do you do to stand out in a saturated market? It, it's hard work, isn't it? And I've oh, tried different hard, things. Yeah. I've tried rebranding. You know. Uh, re-editing the podcast to try and do it like I used to do quite short episodes but now uh, I've tended to do more long-form conversations and that kind of stuff because I just find them more interesting and I think people watching them find them more interesting than just uh, clickbait stuff that you see online that's out there a lot that just you know is just short term yeah. just getting that click because that's worth something um any tips on you know uh, being in the industry and you know if there's a band watching this to that's in a similar position than me owning a magazine they're in a band they're in a saturated market how do you stand out these days <laughs> sorry well, I, i'm not sorry, sure I, i'm not sure i'm not sure i've got any incredible words of wisdom yeah, but okay. um the, but the one thing i always sort of talk about within my business and mm. anyone that i get a chance to talk to about this is it's a for me it's about two things it's about the quality, obviously, yeah. which, you know, so it's the quality of the product and the quality of everything mm. you're doing. But it's also about the quantity. Mm. And that often gets really overlooked in all sorts of marketing conversations. Mm. So um, and that's easy to say, very, very hard to do, the quantity. Um, so obviously I couldn't talk particularly about this. About yeah, the, yeah. So about that. Can some people be doing too much? And some people be doing not enough. Is it a fine line with that kind of stuff? Well, for me, no. It's 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 all about the you know it's about quantity. So if right. if, if I could, if you could do like an e shot to a thousand people, then yeah. it, it, you need to do it to a hundred thousand. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, and you need to think really big with the quantity. Mm. I think that's the key, as well as the quality. Obviously, you've got to have both. Yeah. So th- these skills, Johnny, must be really good. Um, you know, for the band and. Uh, what what have you learned in your previous life and brought into the horn then? In my previous life, I was um, a wine merchant in the 1500s. So I <laughs> okay, that's nice. Good answer. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. No, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think the only thing I can... I love what Nick just said about our fathers being... We should talk about that another time, but our, our dads being in two types of theatre. That was really interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think pertaining to what I said earlier about being very lucky in terms of like, if, if someone weren't to be a performer later on in their life, then yeah. being thrown on the stage at a, when I was eight years old, isn't particularly, you know, it might not be useful if I mm. then wanted to become, let's say an accountant. Um, but I do think that experience in the theater has served me fairly well in terms of like, there are lots of sort of theatres in life. And I think I was very, very lucky. I think I grew up with a lot of people sort of being terrified of public speaking. And in a non-braggy way, I was just not one of those people because I'd been thrown on a stage when I was eight years old in front of about 700 people every night, every year, until I was 20. And so when we play on my birthday, we were lucky enough with the horn to play 
uh, this was just recently on the 25th of November, we played Birmingham 02. And that was literally the biggest audience I've ever played in front of. And it was, I think, about 3,000. And it was packed. Um, very luckily, you know, we were very lucky to have a packed crowd. Um, but I think that I genuinely thought about my parents while I was on stage um, at that, on, the, on that gig. And I had Nick to my left, nice. um, just performing away. And he's, he's Nick's brilliant on stage. He's very, he's very animated. And you can see, you can see him in his, his, his old band, in your mind's eye, and it's friends of Gavin. I can imagine what it would have been like to be on stage with him then. It was <laughs> pretty similar, pretty similar to now. Nice. Um, and I think that for me, when I step on a stage, I'm just back at the Minac again, the Minac mm-hmm. Theatre in Cornwall. And there's something about being on that stage where you have to, you can't put your head down. You have to look up because there's, there's an amphitheater that stretches. There's like about 500 seats that go up the cliff wow. and then a, um, a lighting box and then a gully of about 20, uh, sorry, a gully of about 220 odd people on the, on the right hand side. And there's the, uh, the sea behind you, the ocean. Uh, and there are float mics in front of you. So if you turn your head away to the ocean, to the Atlantic, you can't be heard. Mm. So that was my training on stage. And I didn't have a microphone on my, on my person. Uh, so you had to really kind of project. Yeah. Um, and so I think now if I now play, play with the horn in front of these big crowds, um, my brain just kind of goes straight into kind of Minak yeah. uh, mode. Uh, and, and I'm very, very thankful for that previous, previous acting life. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I, I think another element of it would be that, Although Nick and I write the songs together, a lot of them are Nick's lyrics, which is a very interesting thing as a performer to do, to sing someone else's lyrics, to sing the lyrics of the person who stood next to you, which is a lovely, it's a wonderful thing, mm. an incredible privilege. Um, and I think that Nick at the beginning, though, he and I had a conversation about, you know, he, Nick said, you know, we can, you know, you can use your performer, you know, you can, you can use your acting experience to be, to be the the role of the lead singer of the horn kind of thing. And now I feel like there's more of myself in it. But initially when you don't know what the project sort of is in the earlier stages, you do need to draw upon that old, that that sort of the previous experience that you've had of going on stage and sort of jumping. I'm not sure whether I put on a role for the horn anymore. I think I probably used to, didn't I, Nick? But now I feel like becoming a bit more, more of me. Um, But, but, yeah, it's like that interesting thing yeah. of like singing your own lyrics or singing someone else's lyrics or singing lyrics that you've co-written with someone or, uh, and obviously with Shakespeare or with, you know, you're, you're telling someone else's story yeah. when you're on stage. So yeah, it's sort of interesting to play around with that. But yeah, I'd certainly say that like the, the kind of the, the stage experience, it, it's sort of an obvious point, but it, mm. it's more about the size of the audiences. I think that I, you know, I was very, very lucky to be able to have that experience to, to feed into when we're suddenly thrust uh, in, on a stage, yeah. you know, to Academy, 3000 people. I think the reason I don't buckle is probably because of my dear old dad who threw me on stage when I was eight years old. 
Well, the, yeah. the creative relationship between, between you both just feels really strong. How, what did the other members of the band bring to the band? Or uh, what, what, Because they're not here, we might as well give them a, a shout out. What, what do the other members of the band bring to the table with you guys? Because it, it, it looks like a really strong creative relationship you two have got. What do the others bring to the table? Can I go first? Yeah, Nick, you so, go first. So, so, so very, very, very quickly then. Um, uh, Johnny, I, I just, I just uh, saw in Johnny um, just an absolute star. That, that's how I would describe Johnny. He's a star. Oh, I thought you were going to talk uh, about the others. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to. Um, and, you know, it's just been incredible the last month when we've been on this incredible tour yeah. um, we were supporting Scouting for Girls on nine nine dates. And every night it got better and better and stronger and stronger and tighter and tighter. And and everyone performed more and more and more. So, you no, know, I've got just the most fantastic feeling about about the band right now because we've literally just come off the tour. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Johnny just performed so well. He had the, the whole crowd was singing. He was he was teaching them the lyrics. And it was just, it was just so cool. And uh, Danny... Danny Monk, he's he's on guitar. Um, uh, is is just like an absolute superstar guitar rock star, amazing amazing talented guy and, and a beautiful man. And then we have Alex Morse on drums. Um, Johnny will talk about Alex because uh, Johnny because uh, Alex was a drummer in Montreal and beautiful guy, brilliant. And then finally Ed Ed Cox, who's um, keyboards who's um you know a just incredible musician so you know with five brilliant musicians yeah. um five huge characters in different ways mm. um i'm 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 like their father um <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but uh which is it's you know we, we, and it sort of works you know i suppose it wouldn't work on you know on, on you know on paper but it sort of works um oh, johnny over to you <laughs> yeah it's great i mean nick tell us nick, what dad's like um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a mad dad. The thing, thing is, is that Nick, you're different to you're different to 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 my father. But I don't think that even though our ages could could allow for that, I don't see you as I still see you as you know. I would say a fun older brother rather than a, you know, and not that much older. I don't think okay. that I think you're still it. young. You're still young at heart, and that's not being over complimentary. That's just. I think that you've got a young spirit and otherwise I don't think you would have, you would, I don't think you would have started a band at this time, mm. this stage in your life, if you didn't have some youth and vitality. But I, I do relate to that because my own, my, some of my family are getting older, but they've got vitality in them as well. And I, I think that that's potentially a key, a key to yeah. a sort of spiritual longevity potentially. So that I do see a lot of that in Nick and I, I think that's one of the things that's very exciting about this project is that Nick will always, whenever we're recording something at the studio or rehearsing or doing something, he'll just pull me aside and go, I've got this song. Can we look at this song? There's always a new song. And that, you know, so, some people could just start a band and write 10 tracks or, or you know, and then they might struggle to then yeah. keep going or, or sort of reach a bit of a block. But I don't, I don't think... Nick doesn't do that. He doesn't <laughs> right. doesn't seem to have that yeah. uh, block, which is fantastic. An incredible sort of trait in someone as a creative. And I think also Nick, he's a very generous person. He's with his time uh, and with lots of other things too. You know, he'll he'll take us out for a meal, or whatever, and just 
just be very generous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can't, you know, you can't, you can't fake that shit. Yeah. So I think, oh, sorry, S, triple asterisk for those children. Don't repeat <laughs> what I'm saying, children. It's fine. Um, but um, I think that, that that kind of, that personality that Nick brings in warmth does extend mm-hmm. and seeps into the rest of the projects. And everyone knows when Nick's in the room, you know, he's he's the life and soul of the party. So mm-hmm. it's it's really fun having him, you know, around. And I think it's it's a fantastic project because of that and, and because of lots of other things, but mainly because... You know, I think Nick's sort of desire to to have fun and to make to make sort of this mm. this whatever it is that he this itch that he wants to scratch from the eighties to kind of live on, and that's fa- that's fascinating mm. and and really really fuels the project. Nice. And then I think you've got Danny, um, who who I've known for a long time, and he and I are so different. Uh, and he he's almost like on the spectrum with his kind of um, <laughs> diligence and 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 I'm a bit wilder and Nick knows this, so Nick Nick witnesses the contrast between <laughs> me and Danny every time he goes into the studio. Um, and I would say like Nick Nick would have told you this as well, but me and Nick and, and Danny were initially sort of like the the beginning of the. I feel like that was the sort of the the triangle where the horn really came from and nick went, walked down into the studio one day and just went it's the horn the horn <laughs> probably not even knowing that that's what the band name was going to solidify you, you, you could have thought it was someone else we were talking about <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think that like it initially started as a studio project yeah. and it was danny and nick you know that, that was nick bringing the stuff to danny and then yeah. Um, as I've said in previous interviews as well, the fascinating stuff is that, for example, like a track like Passion, which was our first single, yeah. Nick wrote that a while ago. Mm. And so for us, I think you, did you write that in the 80s? Yeah, I, I wrote that in the 80s um, yeah. and I never recorded it. Mm. Um, and then I said to that, I've got this idea. and Yeah. So it, it's basically the same song from the eighties, but we've completely yeah. cha- changed it, and a lot of the lyrics have changed, and uh, and you know J- Johnny would have changed some of the lyrics as well because it's, it's really nice. We sit down, and Johnny will literally take take my iPad and start deleting and adding adding them, and they're, <laughs> and, 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 and they're always good. Yeah. Um, but sometimes always, you, you, you always, it back. always good. I do something every every that. time good. Well, well, like, no, nobody's perfect. Okay, it's, mo- it's 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 more good than it's not good. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> this is all very nice. You should, I mean, I think yeah, I think like and Danny, I've I've always thought looks after the kind of textures, and yeah. Nick Nick and I tend to be probably. I'd, is this fair to say we probably write a bit more than the other members of the band? Yeah, and Danny kind of is very good at finding amazing sounds, and then also has written some great guitar parts. Um, so but I'd say more like the Nick, George Harrison part of the group potentially yeah if you want to equate it to yeah. that and then I think Alex because I was in a band with Alex um, before and he's such a solid drummer like he, he sounds great even without a metronome without a click track he doesn't need to sort of he's got his own timing um, and he's a very gentle guy you know he's he's quite sort of he can't he can't keep a calendar together uh, at all, he can't. He doesn't know how to work yes. Karen calendar. But my God, can he drum? <laughs> um, he's very good at drumming, and 
I, I also say he's, you know, he's got a nice bond with Ed that when me and Nick and Danny stopped playing in the rehearsal studio, Nick, Nick will probably nod in, in understanding and, and, and uh, recognition of this, but there'll always be a, like a few, a few moments when mm. Alex and Ed are having their own little jam on their own. <laughs> it's basically I, I every time we, yeah, it's every time we stop, <laughs> time. the three of us, <laughs> they start yes. um, pl- playing, playing some, you know, sort of, R&B yeah. uh, hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm exactly. conscious you've got your, you've got your recording time starting soon, guys. So let's talk about the, let, let's talk about the album within the description of this podcast. We're going to have a, you know, a, a download link for the straight, take you straight to this album. Now you've got a, your debut album completed. Do you feel a bit more grown up as a band? Cause when I speak to bands, it's the kind of, it's kind of when the hard work starts, you're not a new band anymore. You've got an album now. You're kind of growing up a little bit more. You've got to stand on your own two feet. It's where the hard work really starts again now moving forward. That's the kind of vibe I get from a few bands. How does it feel for you guys? Nick? Uh, yeah, it's just brilliant. Um, super yeah. proud of it. Yeah. Um, people like us um, by the horn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> super proud. I, I love every track on it. Um, yeah. Every single track means something huge to me personally. Mm. I know they all mean so much to Johnny as well um so much has gone into it i mean we started this pretty much at the beginning of lockdown covid time pretty much yeah this project um and so it feels like you know that's you know we that was a big goal let's do an album and now it's done and it's on vinyl which we really love as well um out and 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 as I was just saying before, we're about to hit a million streams, and yeah. you know I think that I think that's really great for us. We're Massive. proud of that, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and did did you know this fantastic tour, which was great. And so for us, twenty twenty four is ahead of us, and I think it's the second album. We've already recorded three tracks done at rack actually where johnny is right now, so mm. three are already down. Yeah, We've got a couple that we what we're going to do so you know we'll probably do another we need to find another five that's going to work so album number two is already already on it you know so really looking forward to putting that out probably the end of next year so yeah very proud really excited it feels like it's an exciting camp to be in um uh, I, i just love watching it from afar and seeing how you guys are just cracking on and take it grabbing the industry by the bollocks because there's no other way is there to get anywhere really i, I don't think yeah, you just you just gotta make of it what you can make of it, right? <laughs> just do your best. Yeah, you you can, you can. Do you do you feel a little bit more pressure now? You've got your album behind you. Uh, do you feel like you're moving on to album the troublesome album two uh, might be more difficult, or you're just gonna go for it? I'm actually. I'll take that one. I don't think so. Interestingly, yeah. I th- there's a thing that Rick Rubin, the music mm, producer, yeah. said, which is to try and like tr- don't try and get an album by just choosing 10 tracks or whatever. Yeah. He said, try and write loads of songs and then pick five that you can't live without yeah. and then add from there and mm. see if the, 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 the next songs yeah. you add to those sort of, uh, the tracks you can't live without, yeah. the ones you add to that, those five, make sure they sit in the right mm. sort of aesthetic with those songs. And then you have your album. And I think with the horn, it, it wasn't dissimilar to that in right. terms of Nick had written so many songs, and I'd helped to sort of me and Danny had helped to finish uh, finish them, and 
but some of them were quite fully formed, you know, like the melodies and stuff, some of the mm-hmm. chorus melodies that Nick was bringing were already like, oh, that's a, that's a finished chorus uh, in terms of melody. So it was up to sort of the three of us to produce them and then hand them over to another producer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually, and yeah, there's that famously tricky second album com- uh, uh, sort of phenomena, but actually I don't think, I'm pr- almost like even more excited about the second album. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like we've really found our stride. Um, and Nick, Nick's written, there's two more tracks that I, it, already that I'm thinking, actually, sorry, three more tracks that I'm thinking of that I'm really excited about. Yeah, me um, too. It'll be on the, yeah. Like when we were in Ashbourne, we had a day off on tour. Yeah. And Nick had this idea and we sat in, in the hotel with Ed on piano and Nick was singing and I was playing guitar. And yeah, there's a new track coming, nice. which is going to be really good. Uh, and I, so yeah, hopefully, um, we're not too big for our boots and ho- hopefully the second album will be even better. So more tour dates planned. Is it more support stuff or are you doing like a headline thing next? Is there a plan around live in yeah. 2024? Yeah. Yeah. That, but both. Yeah. But we're working on the plan. We, we haven't got the plan yet, but we're working mm, on it, but it'll nice. be, a, it'll be both. It'll, we'll do some headline stuff and we'll definitely do another support tour. Yeah. Well, so, we'll, we'll um, watch this watch this space yeah well said well said so within the description of this podcast if it's on youtube just look down if it's on the podcast it's, it'll be in there there'll be a link um thanks for joining us today guys uh, what harry potter's loss is the music industry's gain uh, <laughs> thanks <laughs> oh, for joining us and uh, um and yeah we wish you all the best with the band keep cracking on keep being creatives keep you know knocking doors down and making things happen for you it's great to see you and we really appreciate your time today guys and yeah enjoy the rest of your day thanks again thanks carl cheers guys. guys thank you absolute pleasure carl thank you nice one cheers nick and johnny from the horn did we am I, I tried to do a little joke I didn't think it landed uh, about the name the horn just me being childish uh, did you hear it not land in the interview yeah <laughs> you can't not comment on the horn you can't not it didn't land but you know it wouldn't be me if I didn't try ladies and gentlemen thanks again to Nick and Johnny for joining us from the horn uh, as always, in the description of the podcast, you can check out their stuff. There's a link in there. Check them out. And as always, you can join us on the socials. We're on Blue Sky Socials now as well. Playing at that. Zero followers on it. Um, so if you're, if you're into that, it's just it's just basically Twitter. It's another Twitter. It's, it's like that Threads thing that Instagram have done. That, that That's boring. So I'll, I'll have a play at that, and when I get fed up with it, I'll probably leave it and stick to the main ones. And my favourite one is X, Twitter. I think it's great. I don't know why bands uh, leave that one out. It's um, uh, it's in one of my tips for 2024. Uh, I'm currently writing it, so it's out on RGM soon, you can see it. Uh, so yeah, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I've got to that stage in the podcast when I just babble on a bit. So I'm going to le- let you get off. We are going to have another episode this Thursday, definitely this week. I know I said we were last week, but when we didn't. But we are this week, so stay tuned. Two podcasts this week, ladies and gentlemen. And it's a belter. Scottish lad. Just done a video with Gail Porter and that. That's all I'm saying. I'll, t- I'll-, I'll leave it there. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us for another week here at the RGM Podcast. I've been Carl Maloney, that guy from RGM. Toodaloo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.